0: Welcome to Season 2 of the Filament Games Podcast, a show dedicated to game-based learning. Here are your hosts, Brandon Pitzer and Dan Norton.
1: we are. Yeah, full fade in there that time.
0: Yeah, that was good. Mm-hmm. Welcome
1: everybody. Hi everyone. To episode one of
0: season two of the Filament Games podcast. It's right, we're back! Starring Dan Norton, the infirm. Yes. And me, Brandon Pitzer.
1: Yeah, this time, it's personal. <laughs> That's the tagline for this season. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> exactly.
0: We're, we're gonna save... I don't know our daughters. Yes, <laughs> from a kidnapper. Yes, <laughs> <laughs>
1: of some kind. We have a very specific set of skills here at this podcast.
0: <laughs> uh, so what's good? What are you playing these days? What's What's been new since Since the last time we recorded, oh. which I actually don't remember specifically when that was. But. I
1: know I've been playing a game that is uh, strange, and it's a mobile game, as you know, which is like definitely our multi year, like yeah. This podcast multi-year struggle has been like: can we find value in our mobile game experiences? Yes. And so and I'm, I'm playing another <laughs> game that's a weird straddling of that. The answer is always momentarily. Momentarily, yeah. I'm playing like <laughs> it's called like War Tortoise. I'm almost positive. Let me double check. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's already uh, it's already pre ridiculous. Or was this a fever dream? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, it's not on my phone anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, it's War Tortoise. So, All right. uh, it's it's a pretty brain neutral tower defense game brain neutral like no thinking really required you can in fact go into auto battle so it does the shooting for you oh sweet uh you um and you're just buying new towers or units that blow up things that appear in waves okay um but your main unit is a turtle with a mouse riding it on top with lots of like metal armor on it and then you get like friendly bees and uh uh, you can get a sparrow that drops bombs, and and it's not cute. Like the style is still like this gritty, gritty war of the future look. Now that's reminding me of something I can't remember. Is it,
0: there was like there was a cartoon like that. It was like it was about animals
1: in like a medieval setting well there's the red wall series that of books yes. yeah that's what i'm thinking of. this is like this is sort of modern future warfare of the same sort of core oh premise. all right all these right. animals are like
0: red wall 40k
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes uh-huh. it is totally Redwall red wall 40k <laughs> um and that has been a ridiculous enough uh hook for me to like stay on the progression ladder sure i've been like yeah I, i'm interested in seeing what you know Like, I got the uh, Goliath beetle that has a howitzer gun on top of it. That's the newest thing. All right. All right. And that was good. It it blows up. When those raccoons are coming for you and they've got a big (laughs) backpack and a cudgel, you know, it's good to have a beetle with a howitzer. So... (laughs) Uh, I would say I'm this enjoying it. This is timeless wisdom. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> the, the
0: applications for that knowledge are nearly endless. Right, yeah. So yeah, uh, that,
1: as a, from a learning game perspective, <laughs> I I've learned yeah, no things. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean for a game that's brain neutral, I believe that aligns to expectations. Yeah. It's um, funny
1: like so I've I've been sick, which maybe our uh, I don't know per, Yeah, we're yeah. Bysta- Innocent bystanders. Our external <laughs> participants. <laughs> the external participants of the podcast might notice that I sound kind of grizzled. So yeah. the nice thing about War Tortoise is that I don't even actually have to look at the screen to play. So if I'm <laughs> laying down, I'm like, my arms are tired. <laughs> not, that's fine. I just put the phone down on my stomach, <laughs> come back and see whether I'm still alive. I've, no big deal. I've grown quite weary. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> um,
0: yeah, you know, I, I think maybe that's the future we all aspire to is games that just play themselves and we just can watch yes and just absorb the achievement yep. While you well know, yeah
1: not not, not to uh, not to steer off another tangent but <laughs> if if people if what brandon just said resonates with you you should definitely look up the old classic progress quest which was the first uh i, th- I believe the first in sort of the deep rpg parody where it was an rpg game that essentially completely played itself all right uh like it was just bars that fill up on the screen with oh yeah i remember that it's a classic yeah it's yeah. a classic i remember that um when there was that fallout mobile game mm-hmm. uh people the i think one of the designers said that they cited that as an inspiration <laughs> but not an i not as an ironic inspiration <laughs> like not which as was, a joke. yeah which i thought was funny it's like oh uh, you know sometimes you gotta be careful when you create a culture of parody because Sometimes people enjoy the thing, and then the parody part falls off, and then you're just left with a new embracing of the ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Totally. What is it? Oh, man. Now I'm thinking of another quote.
0: Hmm. Uh, I can't look it up. My internet's not working. All right, well, leaving that aside entirely. (laughs) (laughs) What have you been playing? (laughs) Um, I've been playing a game called Portal Knights. Well, actually, so the bigger picture is that I'm playing EverQuest two accounts at once, Uh, multi-boxing EverQuest. Um, But that's almost
1: too embarrassing to go on about at length. I think think you should explain to your external participants Mm -hmm. uh, how the hell is that possible to play EverQuest
0: these days. right. well, so it's, I mean... SOE, which was Sony Online Entertainment, was basically broken off from Mm -hmm. Sony Mm -hmm. uh, and turned into a different dev called Daybreak Games. Okay. Um, uh, These guys still run EverQuest Live as it is, um, but they're rolling out these sort of interesting servers that are called progression servers, where it basically takes the game and rolls it all the way back to its vanilla state, and if you're unfamiliar with... What that might mean in the in the parlance of games, um, that's the the game as it was launched, basically before any modifications were made, before any flavorings were added, and so we can think of vanilla as very much as like the canvas. Now, um, so I never played EverQuest,
1: <clears throat> but I did play a lot of World of Warcraft. So hmm. I assume, along with content that is withheld from these, the patches that have not yet to come, there's probably lots of user interface improvements and other gameplay streamlining. That you have to wait for, right?
0: They've been selective about that. It's actually really interesting. Uh, they they rolled some stuff back for sure, um, but there are things that were just like objective improvements to the game that right. that nothing is to be gained by rolling them back, and so those features are still intact. Interesting in the in the vanilla version. Um, well,
1: there are probably exploits and bugs that they also did not. You yes. Know, temporarily revealed is this way to kill this boss instantly. Exactly. Yeah, okay. yeah.
0: That's so that's like um if you want that experience Project 99 exists which is like the emulated version of EverQuest in its vanilla state. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Unofficial. So and it's you know free to play but it's it is basically that you know and it's like warts and all basically mm-hmm. where it's like you you know every flaw is even preserved. <clears throat> um So, you know, I don't think it's like I I don't think it's necessarily um, a flaw to like preserve some of that stuff because it it like it hits the nostalgia kind Mm -hmm. of like. And that's really the thing that's driving people to these servers. Right. Um, But, you know, it's cool because they've done a few iterations on this now. So like they did one where it was like we launched they launched Vanilla and then the player base on the server would vote to release the next expansion into the server um and i guess that that process uh, you know the, i'm removed from it but i guess that process sort of fell apart Ooh. and it just like th- it was causing dissonance in the player base in terms of like some people wanted to press on some people like wanted it to stay as it was and so um they basically removed that agency <laughs> <laughs> from the community um so this current the current version is called a time-locked pre- progression server meaning every three months a new expansion comes out until they complete the whole list of expansions. Um, but yeah, I'm like mid-level right now, and it's, I mean, that game is, it is designed to be brutally resistant to single-player play. Right. So you absolutely need a group. And, or? Or, <laughs> well, that's the thing, it's even, it doesn't, it resists two players. Oh, okay, All right. As well, yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, I you know, I can crawl along the mm-hmm. progression ladder <laughs> if mm-hmm. I'm just doing like a, a two-player thing, but... um But yeah, so I'm using two computers at once. It's a true box server, meaning you can't play both instances at once on one machine. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh man, I'm getting into the details on this thing. Um, But yeah, so I'm using a a utility from um, the Microsoft garage called Mouse Without Borders that lets you actually use one (laughs) mouse and keyboard input across two machines. And that is all I'm gonna say about that. I love that name, it's a great name. (laughs) Mouse Without Borders, yeah, Yeah, it's good. It's It's really funny. It's very clever. Um, But yeah, uh, when I'm not, you know, Beating my head against that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm playing uh, Portal Knights, which
1: is sort of a Minecrafty kind of game. It but sounds with... like a, a sexy version of Portal.
0: Portal Knights. Yeah, oh yeah. It's portal. Yeah. <laughs> Red light Portal. Yeah. Um, it is not that. Okay. Good. <laughs> it is in fact um, similar to Minecraft. It's you know um, a block and crafting based game. Right. Um, but it's all broken off into these little. Um, discrete worlds, and they're all prefab, um, which is cool because uh, one thing that always frustrated me in Minecraft is you'd be exploring a tunnel and then it would just kind of come to a point, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that was it. And because it was randomly generated, there was like no actual designer like intent being applied sure. to the things you were exploring. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, in, in Portal Knights, you like you can discover cool secrets and stuff as you're doing this, mm-hmm. but there's like light RPG elements and you progress along that, so it's, right. it's enjoyable. Yeah. So, uh, you may have seen us at uh, Games for Change this year. Um, oh, yeah. 2016 at the Parsons New School of Design. Right. Uh, that went well. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, we're kind of uh, excited to have hopefully a new uh, selection of, of listeners after that uh, experience. And, um, you know, happy to have you all aboard.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, so uh the for the rest of the year, the remainder of the year, um there's a couple other shows that uh Filament will be at, um, including ISTI, that's the International Society for Technology and Education. Mm. Um we'll be in Denver this year. Yeah. Um so if you are there, uh please stop by. I will be in the booth shaking hands, yeah, handing out business cards and trying to to partner yeah. with
1: educators, we'll at least have a Dan Norton hand puppet there as well, right? Yes, yeah. well, always, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Anytime you find me, yeah, I will be
0: sitting there talking to my Dan Norton. Well, it's a sock puppet, really, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, I'm glad you brought up puppets. Oh, really? It's gonna come back later, it's gonna come back later. All right, I'm excited. Um, <laughs> so, um so yeah, um, we'll also be at uh, GLS in August. Yes, um, in attendance and also having a little bit of a of a bash yeah. in our place if yep. you want to come by. Um, I think that'll be August nineteenth. Um, and yeah, that'll be. Um, we'll talk more about that in our next episode with with Kurt Squire, um, the Squire Dog, the Squire the Squire Dog. Yeah, as he is known on the streets. Yep, K Squire. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, so that's, uh, that's a little bit of housekeeping that I wanted to just kind of toss into the middle here. But um, I want to also talk today about something that we uh, recently put out over the blog about uh, VR. Mm. Now, we've talked about VR before. Um, I don't want to beat a dead horse mm-hmm. um, or a virtual horse. But, um, you know, what was interesting to me about the process of putting that art- article together is we kind of took a multidisciplinary approach. Um, and asked different uh, different pros at the film and game studio mm-hmm. um, what their thoughts were on VR. And so um, I'm going to sub you in for the designer as I'm as I'm kind of walking sure. through this thought exercise. But we also talked to um, Arthur Lowe, who's been on the podcast before. I know that guy. Yeah, and uh, Alexander Cooney. I know that guy. Our newly minted art director. Yeah, and uh, master of the Scottish brogue. Right. Um. So um. Yeah. You know the. So starting with like the art perspective, um, what was interesting to me was um, Cooney's idea that um, we would kind of have to invent a whole new like design language around VR. Mm. And, and a lot of that was based on like the technical constraints. So for instance, um, it's the, the the kind of accepted wisdom is that you need about 90 frames per second in order to prevent um the nausea basically you know um the the kind of in between um screen lag um but then you know there's this also interesting topic of like guiding user focus right so it's like without without the benefit of just a square frame that Uh is like their only entryway into this world how do you create a ui that effectively guides their focus right even when things might be happening literally behind them Mm -hmm. um so yeah i'm just i'm wondering like from your perspective how would you you know in this hypothetical world where you're designing like the next amazing education vr game how how would you manage some of that stuff as a a game designer
1: well i think what's what's really cool about what you just said is you like sort of surface some of the the secret cheats that we've been able to get away with in an intermediary screen right like inside a game the camera is fixed I mean, if you move your mouse, you move the camera inside the world, but but you can also move your eyeballs separately from moving the camera. So you can make a decision to like look at the corner of the visible screen to look at a UI element that shows you some information. Um and then you can do that while still the the center of the screen is actually uh still and focused on what you're supposed to look at. So I mean, uh, I don't know if you ever tried on a Google Glass or mm-hmm. anything like that, but, yep. you know, it's like when you move your eyeballs, to look at that thing in the corner, you're also, everything you're looking at, you know, move down there really quickly. And it's mm-hmm. it's actually, the amount, your peripheral really does a great job is actually kind of limited. So there's like, a, and those are just sort of like the assumptions that have gone into interface for, you know, decades now that we, this is how it's going to work. And right. now it's going to, it's going to be a little complicated to figure out how to do that. Um Similarly, I think it's very interesting in that uh, for many years in first-person shooting games, um, you know, your aiming reticule and the focal point of your visual are the one and the same. Where you look is where you're shooting in a game. And skills like strafing and circle strafing, uh, managing around corners all had to tie with how to cleverly merge your ability to sidestep and move at different angles to complement where you wanted to be seeing. So in a circle straight, if you had to pivot in such a way, moving sideways so that you could run a circle around a fixed or moving point and mm-hmm. maintain aiming accuracy, and then then you get to throw in leading your shots mm-hmm. and, uh, and on top of that, and it gets really complicated. Right. So with, with the virtual reality, you can have a mouse cursor inside the space, and you can shoot... At things that are separate from where you're looking so you can start doing weird things like uh, the, like the idea of circle strafing or what it means to look around a corner mm-hmm. like you can now be literally looking for or walking forward and looking to your right uh completely separate um right. so a lot of the core skills that go into an experience in even describing what it means to be good at those things are, uh if you know if we actually see those games move into virtual reality as assumption like a bunch of those skills go away
0: yeah and that's you know i've seen that um specifically with the subject of of strafing that's that's where those omnidirectional treadmills really fall apart Mm. um Mm -hmm. you know as terms in terms of like uh it's it's this uh, an attempt at um creating i guess one-to-one physicality in terms of your locomotion when you're in the virtual space it's like this is you're technically controlling your avatar which you are embodying mm-hmm, <laughs> by mm-hmm. by propelling it using this kind of 360 degree pad but um, but yeah the problem is is like you the as a treadmill it gains momentum right so it's like huh. you can, you can't just kind of turn on a dime it's yeah, like yeah, you're, yeah. the the treadmill's moving in one direction mm-hmm. and so you can't really um it, it just doesn't quite work um, i don't know seamlessly yep um but yeah, so so that's certainly one aspect of it, is it's like movement and and player focus within the space. Um, but you know, another another topic that I guess sort of interested me that came up was like this idea of just the the sheer hardware demand and and the way it, like that was you know uniform across everybody was like the the fact that it's got this extremely steep adoption um, I guess blocker in terms of like how how expensive everything is around yeah, it. Yeah um and uh so you know talking to to luke about that our game designer luke um he he was he mentioned um he mentioned that it was like the imperative for the designer to come up with satisfyingly asymmetrical gameplay mechanics mm. um so you know the example we drew on was uh keep talking and don't explode which right. is um this it's kind of made the rounds in the uh, past few months i'd say mm-hmm. um where it's you know one player is uh has the vr headset on and they're in kind of an isolated room within the vr uh space where they're diffusing a bomb and the other player is not in the vr space at all they just have a booklet um with different instructions about how you can diffuse these various you know virtual bombs and so um so what you have is like this kind of urgency where one player is like in a you know in a state of of critical terror because they're about Mm -hmm. to explode um and the other player is trying to guide them out of it so um so it creates this interesting tension and um you know in terms of the asymmetry it's i guess to some extent kind of what nintendo was trying to do with the wii u which is like we deliver totally different streams of information to different players right and then make them try to like meet in the middle Mm -hmm. (laughs) um in the gameplay space um so I don't know. Can you think of other, I guess, manifestations of what that might look like? Because you know, I think keep talking and don't explode is a really really good example of of what that could be. Um, mm. But yeah, like what, what other scenarios do you think could be applied where um where some asymmetrical gameplay would make this a little bit more feasible for for a classroom where, you know, probably they could afford one
1: um, right. at, at first? Well I think first off, it just I think it's really interesting to point out that in all asymmetrical stuff, VR or otherwise, it it definitely seems to be more fruitful to provide asymmetrical collaborative setups. Um, So there certainly are asymmetrical games that are set up as competitive games, especially often in uh, RTSs like StarCraft, etc., where you can set up different different types of armies and have them fight against each other. But actually balancing those and making sure that everyone feels like that experience is fair is a... uh, multi-year or possibly never ending mm-hmm. uh challenge where you have to make sure that balance main is is kept up to date with the community's understanding of strategy mm. um so if you set up an, a, a a game with an asymmetry in roles it's much easier to think about that in terms of collaboration like how do can people work together with their different capabilities um and i think that that is also a better match for lots of things that are inside great learning games mm-hmm. um, because especially with things like 21st century skills, there's a lot of things about how to blend expertise collaborate with other people, communicate effectively, argument, argue, using evidence, et cetera. And those are all, all things that apply asymmetrical types of understanding and capabilities, right? Mm-hmm. you need to be able to work with someone else who can do something you can't or know something you don't. And building that constructive communication is as a real key part, just being a part of, you know, the modern world in which we're interfacing with new information and new skills all the time. Yeah. Um, so in terms of mushing that into the classroom, Mm -hmm. um, i think what you said about probably one device in a classroom makes the most sense so like we know that schools have been able to make hardware purchases in the past like the the smart boards right lots of schools are like let's get these smart boards mm-hmm. and we know they were willing to make those purchases before the tech had really been proven but they're you know, like well this is a tangible piece of tech we understand how it could benefit the room so let's do it sure so i think if you sort of pre that that same level of pitch can be made successfully for vr then you know it's reasonable to assume that a classroom would be like all right i'm willing to throw down the um you know somewhere between one and two grand it's going to take to get a functioning vr setup in my room mm-hmm. um and you know maybe that'll go down um i know that there's a new generation of video cards right now that are knocking the socks off the last round of vr ready cards so those vr yeah. vr cards are going to go down um vr ready cards that is um and so so that might go down but anyway. Um, It makes the most sense to me to have a game in which, you know, that means there's one person who's inside the experience and that, that role of the person who's goggled in and is in there should be experiencing some type of vivid, interactive world. Mm -hmm. And because you don't want it to become a passive activity, you should have the people outside of that experience able to like radio in or provide, provide insight and resources that that person can't get. So I think the obvious analogy would be, you know, things like the, you know, the Martian movie or, you know, someone is isolated in a spot and there's a, you know, a group of people with different expertises that are able to provide insight into what to do to sort of do next. And, you know, a a, a thing like the Martian movie, like automatically leans it towards being like, oh, different science disciplines. Right. Right. That sounds pretty cool, but you can do it in, in any real subject, really. Right. Any, any kind of, uh. Anything where there's like one real-time immersed role that needs to know things and then complementary skills that can go along with it, you can have the rest of the classroom participating through those skills and providing, providing guidance on how to succeed. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, especially if you have a setup in which what the person in VR can see is set up in such a way that uh, it's on a screen for everyone to see, mm-hmm. um, I think you can have a really engaging classroom atmosphere. Like I know a game like uh, Keep Talking and and no one explodes. Um, it part of the game in that is that the other people cannot see mm-hmm. the device. They can't just say like, "Oh, just cut the green one and the second from the left." Right. Like they are, they don't. They, they have to like interrogate the. Yeah, person they have to interrogate and be like, yeah. "Wait, how many green? How many green wires?" Exactly. Okay, which button is glowing? Right, and you know uh, that's part of the game. There, I think for learning games, it's going to less be about obfuscation. Yeah. It's going to be less about uh, you don't get to know what the other person knows. I right. think it's going to be more you have access to tools and skills mm-hmm. that you can leverage to collaborate together. And that's right. going to be it's going to be more about that.
0: Right. So it's like you're you all have like maybe the same access to information, but you have different lenses that you're interpreting that yes. information through. Yes. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think the point you raise is really interesting about. um you know, the, this, the, the 21st century kind of impetus towards uh, collaboration, especially with cross-cutting disciplines, mm-hmm. um, you know, I can't think of a better a better use of VR um, for, in the classroom. Like, that, that just, it nails that mm-hmm. in a way that I, I can't think of another technology intervention that would actually hit the same level of, I guess, um, a, a, of uh, similarity to that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's a really cool point. The one other thing I wanted to talk to you about uh, on on this our inaugural season two episode
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, is uh, what we're working on in the shop. Oh yeah, or what we have worked on because yeah, it will have come out by this point. Um, it was uh, w- w- so we've made a game, a first party game that we've released. It mm-hmm. was probably the first one since uh, March of this year um, called Diffusion. Defision. 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 <laughs> Defision. <laughs> Just so you know, it's called uh, Defision. Yeah. Um it was. Um, it's a great word. Yeah, it is. Uh, mm-hmm. It was made by uh, one Alex Bouchain. Yes. Um, I thought about inviting him to be on the podcast, and then I thought, why? I mean, he would say
1: no. So yeah, he's he's reluctant <laughs> to garner the fame he deserves. It's true. I lobbied very hardly to have it called Alex Bouchain presents. Alex, Alex Boschaine's division, or it was
0: act- Al- Alex Boschaine's fraction challenges. Oh yes, yeah, that's right. Yes, <laughs> yeah, and we wanted them like kind of cross armed on the cover. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe like in a little, yeah, just like a nineties kind yep. of patina of computer yeah. graphiciness. Yep, featuring um, cutting
1: edge Bosch animation inside the game. <laughs> Bosch animation. Yep, it's right there. Yes. Uh, yeah. So he's brilliant and he modest, is brilliant. which yes, is a exactly. always a good combo
0: exactly Mm -hmm. um so it's a super cool game about um kind of swiping and slicing um shapes to um, kind of satisfy different uh fraction objectives Mm -hmm. um so it's very much a puzzler um lends itself to touch screen play and pc play Mm -hmm. so just go crazy on whatever platform you got um but yeah i'm excited about that one totally I i think it's a super cool game
1: yeah um it's got a nice a nice clean smooth tech feel to it and it's got a lot of play in it you can play it a long time there's new emergent meta strategy stuff comes out with different types of uh, blocks that have different types of interactions so it's procedurally generated. Yeah. There's over 1 billion possible puzzles. You could play this game for the rest of your living days. That's
0: right. In and fact, not run out of content.
1: We're going to run a contest in <laughs> which uh, one lucky winner will actually, we will pick them up and trap them in a room. And they will do just that. They will, will play it until they die. We will encase them in concrete. Yes. And within that encasement, we will
0: occasionally flood it with a nutrient-rich slurry, <laughs> yeah. so that they can just absorb that yes. and be nourished. Yes, as they continue their march. Yeah, so
1: send all your entries in. You know, soon we can't we can't wait to pick a winner. Do you want to die in a closet? Yeah they'll um, <laughs> be really good at fractions. Yes yeah
0: so, yeah. so, so good. Um, <laughs> yeah the, the, eventually they will just become the singularity. Yep. Um, so yeah excited about that one. Um, check it out. Mm-hmm. So, one other thing to talk about today. Yeah, um, we have a final segment that we're gonna we're gonna try. This is this is very much a dry run. Um, that is also I'm not gonna finish that sentence, but it's also uh, you know uh, live and being recorded. Okay. Um, so so basically, the new segment um, we've retired Contranum Corner. Yes, rest in peace. Yes, rest um, in peace. I think we did, in fact, exhaust. <laughs> all of the good contronyms yes. in the English language and are now on to a new segment in which I try to trick Dan Norton. That's right. I'm going to trick him. Yep. I'm going to lie <laughs> and we're going to see uh, you know, which which is, which is real and which isn't. All right. So I have two facts. Two facts. Um, the theme of today's facts is Muppets. Oh!
1: I might be good at this. <laughs> you might be. I'm very fond of the Muppets. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I tried to pick two very obscure facts. Okay. Um, there's so a lot
1: of Muppet lore. So there's so much Muppet you lore. You can probably
0: go way past my skill set here. Alright, so, two facts. Yeah. Fact number one. The Cookie Monster's name is actually Sid. Okay, that's right. fact number one. Okay. Fact number two. Miss Piggy once made famed actor Jason Siegel
1: cry. Oh, goodness. One of these things is true. Um... I actually am gonna go with this second, and I guess before you tell me I'm wrong, I'm gonna explain my reasoning. <laughs> I feel like there was a lot of controversy about controversy about the Cookie Monster eating things other than cookies, mm-hmm. so I felt like there was a large flurry of activity in the press about Cookie Monster's name and identity. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I would have read about the Sid thing mm-hmm. at that time, yep. and I didn't so that's a reasonable conclusion that's my, yeah and then uh jason siegel was in the muppet movie right he wrote and directed them. yeah 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 that was like his thing so yeah. i don't know if he, direct, he wrote it for sure maybe and you didn't rule out like something like crying tears of laughter Mm-mm. right so he may have been laughing so hard he cried that's a little hard to believe that miss piggy like cut into his psyche in such a way that he wept But uh, is it? (laughs) Yeah, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) So I know. I know he's very emotionally wrapped up with the Muppets. Anyway, it's true. So I'm Mm -hmm. going with B. Okay. Yeah.
0: It is in fact A. (laughs) Ah. According. To an article, what I read on the BBC News. (laughs) This is the worst. This is the worst ending skit of all time, Brandon. (laughs) I deceive you and disappoint you. Oh man! And this will be a weekly occurrence.
1: Yes. (laughs) Well, now I'm going to start picking the answer I think is wrong, and then you're going to readjust. Exactly. This
0: is going to be just just mind games all season. Um, So yeah. um, It was revealed that before he had his first. Cookie Uh-huh, his name was Sid, Wow,
1: so he ate the cookie. <laughs> and and like... was
0: yeah, he was transformed, right. Um and it was in fact, Kermit that made Jason Siegel cry. oh man, and the way the way that it went down is it was at their first table read uh-huh. of the Muppet film, and Jason Siegel had been writing this film for four years, mm-hmm. and the first time that Kermit spoke a line that he wrote, he just got emotional and kind of broke down. Wow. And when he tells the story, he's like, you know, it sounds really sweet, but it was actually like super awkward, and embarrassing, and like everyone around me was like, is he just going to keep crying throughout the rest of the production <laughs> every time Kermit says anything? Um, so yeah, so that's it. Wow. There you go. Okay. I've expanded your horizons. Yes. By lying
1: to you. Yes. <laughs> and I, I, I I feel, I don't know what I feel. I have You're complicated emotions. Yeah, I'm s- deeply ambivalent about this, this ending skit. It is good to know new things, though, so. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, so, All like,
1: right. basically, like, Cookie Monster, like, into basically a cookie form of alcoholism. I think that was just, it. Like, yeah. yeah, it's
0: like cookies—not even
1: once. He used to be. Yeah, he <laughs> used to be an upstanding citizen. And exactly. It's like a council. He was like a council member. Yeah, and then, like an accountant named I, yeah. Sid
0: that just kind of did his job nine to five, went home to the wife and kids. Yeah. And then, then he had a cookie and that, yeah, <laughs> his first snickerdoodle. <laughs> <laughs> just spinning in a spiral. I'd
1: never thought about the tragedy of Cookie Monster. Yeah. But there it is. Yeah, it's actually a life of addiction.
0: Yeah, and in, I mean, really, then in this. In that light, we can view this new phase of like as a rehabilitation of a kind. Right. Like he's he's kind of turned a new leaf.
1: Right. Of, of lettuce. But he's still it's still cookies.
0: You know, it is. That's true. Yeah. I mean, now the song is cookies are a sometimes food.
1: Right, which is sometimes is still a flexible term. Exactly. it still be ninety five percent of the <laughs> that's time. That's true. Yeah, that's true. He's yeah. got a, he's
0: got quite a bit of latitude with yeah. that, doesn't he? Yeah.
1: <laughs> sometimes, and now is one of those sometimes. Oh, yeah.
0: Sid. Yeah. He's, Sid.
1: He's sneaky. I do recommend. I mean, so um, you can look up old uh, coffee ads for when Jim Henson was just getting started, mm-hmm. black and white, mm-hmm. and like there's proto Kermit. Um, oh, I wish I could remember the name of the coffee company, but proto there's proto Kermit. They're basically these ads that usually there's Kermit. He's urging this guy to drink this coffee and the other guys does not want to drink the coffee. And then that guy's generally horribly injured in some way. <laughs> uh, they're they're, really, they're really quite good. And it reminds you just like, oh. I don't know. The, the Muppets for me is like one of those things about like, it's such a beautiful blend of like subversion, mm-hmm. but also creativity right. and positive <laughs> momentum forward like it, it's yeah. it's just one of those wonderful things and and it's fun to see the old stuff because back then you know it still had bite mm-hmm. and that's thing oh that, for sure yeah
0: and uh yeah it's a good way to get your subversion is like hiding it behind these felt puppets yeah yeah <laughs> it was uh like one of me was like hey have this
1: coffee and then uh, like i was like no and then he just shoots him <laughs> <laughs> With a cannon, I believe. And that's the ad, right? Done. Ugh. Yeah, top-notch stuff. My oh, what is it called? I'll find it. All right. We'll get it on there. We'll the link next. it in today's podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's what we'll do. we we'll Blog use th- post thing. All yep. right,
0: cool. All right, that's all the time we have for today. Awesome. Like, we'll end it on the Muppets, I think. that We can yeah. end it all on the Muppets. Yeah. That's fine. All right, thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Filament Games Podcast. If you'd like to hear more about games, game-based learning, and what goes on inside our studio, subscribe today on iTunes or Stitcher.